So, um, yeah, on our temple website it says, as we enter the Christmas season and songs about God are playing everywhere, we might ask ourselves, who does God belong to? Is he a Christian God, a Jewish God, a Muslim God? Today's talk will explore those questions with the bhakti theology and the teachings of Srila Prabhupada. So we say that our God, your God. Um, I think I'll, uh, uh, this reminded me of something I read in the newspaper. It was a while ago, 2009 about. But um, there was a, uh, at that time, a lieutenant general in the army named William G. Jerry Boynkin. He was a special Delta Forces guy, and then in the CIA, and then the def- you know high up in the Defense Department, Lieutenant General. And he was also a, a pretty uh, uh, militant Christian, because uh, there's been a program for a, many, many years uh, from the, the the Christian conservatives in America to evangelize the military. Even my first cousin, retired lieutenant colonel, spent his life doing that. So this is a so here's a General Boynkin. So he t- he tells this story. He says there was a man in Mogadishu, you know, in Somalia, named o- o- Osman Atto. Uh, uh, so he described him as a lieutenant of Mohammed Fared Adid. I did. When Boykin's Delta Force commandos went after Atto, they missed him by seconds. And Boykin said, he went on CNN and he laughed at us. And he said, they'll never get me because Allah will protect me. Allah will protect me. Well, you know what? Boykin continued. I knew that my God was bigger than his I knew that my God was a real God and his was an idol. Uh, so then later they captured Atto. <laughs> I guess the bigger God won. Maybe the two gods are up there fighting it out. Huh? I don't know. Uh, then Boinkin also remarked uh, uh, recently, he said, other countries, he said, have lost their morals, lost their values, but America is still a Christian nation. He said, welcome to the Christian nation. Well, this is not only going on in America, this kind of sectarianism. Although so many of you are from India and you know what's going on there now with people are having conversion, uh, uh, big conversion exercises and reconversion. When ISKCON became very popular in, in India, I thought, wow, it's great. Everybody appreciates it, but... Uh, for what it is, but actually many people were thinking, oh, now we're getting back at the Christians, we're converting these white people into Hindus. <laughs> so this is not our platform. Um, um, I wanted what, what Prabhupada came to teach us, and the reason is people like me became devotees. Uh, I was initiated in 71. And I never thought that I was converting to a Hindu religion. Uh, I just thought I was becoming a devotee of God. Uh, uh, so those categories were not uh, ways uh, I, I really thought uh, in. And it's, 
there's a there's a verse uh, which describes bhakti, uh, what we practice. The word bhakti is the devo- Prabhupada translates that as devotional service, uh, service to God. And so this bhakti is described like this: sarvopadi viniramuktam tat paratvena nirmalam rishikena rishikesha sevanam bhaktir uchate. So bhakti. Uh, is described here as uh, sarva upadi vinirbuktam. It is that which is first. Well, rishikesha rishikena sevanam, which is to serve the master of the senses by means of the senses, to engage the senses in terms of the master of the senses. That's God. Uh, we all have our senses for perception and action. All of those are given to us by God. And actually, he owns them because we can't... How do my eyes see? I have not got the faintest idea. This piece of matter that's my hand, I want it to move. I can do it. I, I, I can't move the, this micro, this uh, recorder just by wanting to, but just by wanting to, I can move my hand. But how do I do it? I have no idea. But I, actually, there's some big system that's making this happen. This is actually, as far as we're concerned, the Supreme Lord as the super soul who's arranging everything. Uh, so, he so we should use these senses, these senses of action and senses, instruments of action and instruments of perception in the service of God. That is uh, bhakti. And it is called sarva upadi vinirmuktam. Uh, free vinirmukta, free or devoid of all upadis. Now, the the word upadi, the Sanskrit word upadi, comes from a word that means to put on, like a disguise. So, all, uh, so Prabhupada uses the word designation. It's a designation. Uh, some of my designations are well, for example, American. White, uh, male. So we have the male, female. All these are upadis uh, that we've put on. Uh, and so bhakti, there's no upadi, uh, because you you may think of it like like that. That that if 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 I had to fill out a census form and it had a list of check one, you know, and one of them was Hindu and I had no choice, I'd have to check Hindu. But that's that's an upadi. That's a designation. Uh, uh, so um, here's the way Prabhupada describes upadi. He says uh, this is a commentary in the Bhagavatam. He says one's consciousness is the cause of material bondage, but if this consciousness is purified by bhakti yoga, one can then understand the falsity of his upadi, his designation as Indian, American, Hindu, Muslim, Christian, and so on. So these are all upadis. One time myself and a few other members of the governing body uh, met up in Los Angeles with somebody from the organization called, the, you've, many of you are familiar with, the Vishwa Hindu Parishad. 
And he was aware that ISKCON is a little reluctant to, you know, use the term Hindu for itself. And so he, uh, he uh, sat down with us and said, why don't you just say you're Hindus? And uh, so Sridhar Swami, who was with me, said, well, you know, uh, our spiritual master, the first teaching uh, that, that, that we learn is Aham Brahmasmi. Isn't this in the, in the Vedas, right? The, the Hindu books. <laughs> Aham Brahmasmi. What is Aham Brahmasmi? Uh, that I am spirit. And what's the corollary? Well, that I'm not matter. And that matter means I'm not this body. Uh, that's what we all believe. And so he and, uh, and I explained to him that, that this is what we are taught, so we don't think of ourselves in terms of these upadis. And he had to agree with us, because he's a good Hindu. You know? <laughs> he agreed with us. And he said, yeah, it's true. Still, he said. And then I said to him, I said, you have to be a Hindu to know you're not a Hindu. <laughs> he says, yeah, you're right, but... Can't you just say it? <laughs> so, so, but every time you get into the Supadis, you find yourself in the middle of politics. And uh, politics is not really the kind of politics we want to in engage in uh, right now. So this is the Sarva Upadi Vinir Muktam. Uh, it's free from all upadis and all extraneous desires. Tat paritvena nirmalam. Just all we want to do is serve the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And that's religion. That's the, that's the meaning of uh, religion. The, the word that, that we find in the Vedas uh, is dharma. That's usually translated as religion. And we see Hindu Dharma, Christian Dharma, Buddhist Dharma. It's used that way. Huh? It's Dharma. But the, the name Dharma uh, means the essential nature of something, that by which it is what it is. It comes from the Sanskrit verbal root dri, to uphold or maintain. Like, you could, if Dharma is religion, you could say the Dharma, the religion of fire is to be hot, the religion of water is to be wet. These are its essential nature. So what's my dharma as a human being? Uh, my essential nature is I am the servant of God. That's the religion. And actually, everyone is the servant of God. Now, some admit it and some don't. That's a fact. Uh, and, uh, uh, but, you, but Prabhupada has pointed out to us, yes, you have to serve God. You, you can serve him directly and favorably by saying, yes, God, I'm your servant. What do you want me to do? You know, the Sanskrit, one of the Sanskrit words for servant is kimkara. One who says, kim, what? Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> what do you want me to do? Huh? So there are other people that don't care uh, to bow down to God, that don't accept a superior. You know, here in this temple... Many of us, when we offer our respects to God, we do it full out. It's called dandavat, you know, like a, like a pole. You fall down like a pole, dandavat. And, and I've been in our temple sometimes when I'm 
saying the prayers, Jai Om Vishnupad, and the devotees in the temple are bowing down at the Sunday feast. And there's some people in the back who've never been to a Sunday feast before, and they're shocked. I can see their faces. I'll never do something like that. (laughs) But we acted out, you know. We we were the dandabats or the uh, pranams. So... uh, but actually, it's a, when I thought about Prabhupada said, everybody has to do it. You do, he said, because you surrender to, to if you, Krishna at the time of death. That's when everybody bows down. That I, I may want walk across this world like I'm the controller and the enjoyer and the owner of everything, and I have so many houses, and I've had so many wives, and I've, you know, whatever, I've I, I, positions and these, all these things, this, all this is mine, you know. I'll never be like these Hari Krishnas. Look, they give up everything and then they bow down like a slave, you know, because that word dasa at the end of the name, man, is there. I'll never do that. But what happens at the time of death? Where did, It's all taken away, right? In other words, and... Boom, Dandabats, he bows down, he falls down flat. So this idea of giving up everything and bowing down to God, you, ha- you can do it that nice way, like, <laughs> like we do. Because for us it's a wonderful process. It's true, it's a gradual process. Our, our advancement is, sarva. we get rid of all these designations but we, we, we do it voluntarily, and we do it favorably. And we discover, as we get rid of these things that we think we need, oh, it's the illusory energy, maya, that we think I have to have this, or I have to have that, and I build up some big false defense idea of myself, like Boykin maybe, and, you know, uh, stars, you know. And the military is so funny because they have so many... All their achievements are right on the chest where you can see it, you know. <laughs> My father was a career army officer, so I grew up in that, that environment. So this is, a, this is a, you know, we have these big important things we got, but this is all false. And we discover as we get rid of these things, sometimes it's a little painful, but as we do, our Krishna consciousness advances uh, and we become happy to get rid of it because what we get more is we, our own true nature. I am not this body. I am a spirit soul. I am a servant of God. And that relationship with God, which is there in all of us, whether we acknowledge that relationship is there, it becomes more and more uh, uh, evident to us. And our, our eternal life has begun. What we are doing now, we, had, we will do forever. We've gotten the death thing out of the way. Uh, and that's what, that's what everyone should do. As a human, human life, Prabhupada has said many times, is meant for self-realization. And this self-realization, who am I really? All upadis aside, I am a spirit soul, I am not this body, and I am the servant of the supreme soul. And that's what we mean. And as far as different religious traditions, well, Krishna's very, very kind. He's revealed himself all over the place. And in this particular book, 
Prabhupada has actually pointed out that that when Krishna says he descends many times, age after age, he said Prabhupada says here, it's not limited to India. So we accept Jesus uh, as an avatar, maybe Shakti of but some kind, Muhammad. Prabhupada has said these things. Uh, so, so because you think, well, there's so many different religions, how do I know this is the right one? You, you do it. Uh, somebody will say, I've given talk, well, what about Buddha? Well, what about Buddha? Buddha was very good. You know what Buddha did? He, he was a prince. He had everything. He gave it all up to search for self-realization. Do that. Don't just talk about Buddha. Do it. Look what Jesus did to, 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 out of compassion for so many people. He gave his life. Do it. Just do it. Uh, you, so the, the path of religion is one. It's, it, it's there. Uh, and you always find out, I mean, when, when I start, wonder, uh, uh, did uh, get a uh, PhD in religious studies, and I went into a religious studies department because I was looking for what, what religion had to teach. And I thought, well, let me look at all of them, just because I was born, you know, in a certain place and certain time and grew up with this one. But what do they all have to say? Let me see. And I was trying to trying to find out what they had in common, at least at the highest level. Uh, and uh, that's what I... So I did, I looked at uh, all of them. I, I didn't learn Krishna consciousness from the religion, religion department. I was walking across campus one day and I heard, ching, 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 ching. You know, Who are these guys? Oh, look, look. And I recognized that they were, this was like 69 or something like that. They, they, they were Krishna devotees. I, they were in the, we knew about them, people my age, you know. Uh, and and uh, well, the first thought was they were jumping up and down and chanting. I thought, my God, I'd never do anything like that. <laughs> but then, then the second thing I thought, well, you know, it's interesting because like when I was a kid at going to church, we would collect money to send missionaries to India you know, and, and now the missionaries were coming this way. So I thought, well, that's an interesting change in, you know, the kind of religious ecology of the world. You know, let me check this out. So I went up and talked to a devotee. And one thing led to another. And I got a book of Srila Prabhupada. Anyway, that I, well, let me just chant and see what happens. Well, what happened was Sarva Upadi Vindhyamukti, things started to change. And I, I sort of reluctantly found myself joining a religion. <laughs> that's how I ended up. But I never thought that that's what I was doing. Right? Uh, and I still haven't joined a religion. I'm practicing <laughs> Sanatan Dharma. This is what the word, the the permanent and eternal Dharma for everybody. Uh, uh, and I don't think that we have a monopoly on it. In my own experience, I haven't seen anybody that has it down like like ISKCON, at its best, does. I mean, we all have, every religious tradition has its bad guys, its slackers, its people are substituting something else for spiritual advancement, and all that goes on everywhere. Uh, but, but at least to me, uh, Prabhupada has described, uh, uh, to me, a science by which all 
everything I encountered in any other religion can be included in it as a special uh, p- uh, part of it. So anyway, that's that's why I, that, that's why I, I I'm here, and I, I th- think that our idea is not to get people uh, necessarily to change their religion, but if you like, for each of us, we are on the path of surrender to God. If you look at the whole path, you can go, oh my God, look at that, you know. Uh, but all we have to do is take the next step. Uh, here's what, what, what Krishna wants. Here's where I'm not, and I'm holding back for this, and we all know in our hearts what we're still attached to. Just work on that step. And you take that step, you make advancement, then you'll see the next step. And you only have to do it one step at a time. And we'll get there. And if everybody did that in whatever tradition they were in, you'd find the world would be a better place. But otherwise, we're just rubber stamping ourselves something and often doing a lot of harm in the process. So I'm happy to listen to the Christmas carols that uh, mentioned on our website. I'm uh, 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 I, 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 I do like, uh, I don't like popular Christian music, but, you know, Bach's passions are great, and, and uh, I still listen to them sometimes. And I don't think I'm uh, doing anything wrong with that. Okay, so I'll stop there. This is, because uh, I want to leave time now for any questions, comments, doubts, misgivings, what, I'm, what you think is wrong with what I'm saying. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Um, you spoke about upadis and um, that, you know, we don't typically have that. We don't think of ourselves as, as labeling ourselves. Mm-hmm. And while we are not these bodies, we do, you know, wear traditional Indian clothing. We wear kantimalas. We wear tilak. I would love to hear you speak a little bit about the concept of upadi and how, you know, the fact that we are, we are not these bodies, yet we decorate these bodies in association oh, and sure. how that is not a new potty. Well, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, is this, uh, uh, in one sense, it's superficial. But in another sense, um, the, uh, the idea of bhakti is to use every, with everything that uh, is here that belongs to God. I don't try to enjoy the world. Because I understand that's that's the path of death. I don't try to be the enjoyer of the world, but I don't reject it either. Some people, some parts of religion want to enjoy the world, but in a regulated way. Uh, or others say, oh, the world is evil, let's reject it, let's turn away from it. Let's, let's uh, wall ourselves off in monasteries or hermitages and just the, the whole world is evil. Uh, but we neither tried, we, we don't enjoy it, neither do we reject it. Rather, we try to engage everything in God's service. So this particular, these, uh, that I wear a particular dress, act in a certain way, because this simply helps me to remember my real uh, 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 dharma, that I am the servant of God. 
So that that's what these are for. It Prabhupada was asked once by a reporter, why do you dress differently? He said, because we are different. <laughs> we are spiritual, he said, and you are material. He, he, was, he was talking to reporters and he had this way of provoking them a little bit. And so this was, this was one of them. Uh, so so th- if something is favorable for Krishna consciousness, I accept it. It's not favorable, I, I reject it. So I don't want to fetishize this, this kind of uh, clothing or, or something like that. But it helps. I wear tilak. It really helps in the morning to get up after bathing and put this clay on my body. Where I do it, I, I, I chant, you know... Keshavaya Om Naranaya Namaho, Om Madhavaya Namaho, Om Govindaya. Every place I put this tilak, 12 places, I chant one of the names of God. And this way I'm thinking, this body is not for me to enjoy, but it's to be used in the service of God. Other people stand in the morning in front of the mirror and they're, 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 they're <laughs> trying to make it something that's enjoyable, but, but that's our way of doing it. So that's, this is our makeup. You you can uh, you, you you can say uh, so that that's that's how we we judge these things. Oh, by the way, when I <laughs> there's a really uh, I was there when Prabhupada was asked a question that illust by a reporter that illustrates what I, what I was saying. Um, in a, a New York airport, Prabhupada gave a press conference, and then as we were walking back down a long concourse. And in those days, you could go all the way in and you could have press conferences in airports and stuff like that. Anyway, a reporter was late and he was coming. We could, uh, walking behind Prabhupada and somebody else. You could see this reporter running because he had a cameraman with him who was, and the cameras were pretty big in in those days, you know, with wires trailing and flapping back and forth. And they're kind of trotting down the concourse to us. And the reporter stopped in front of Prabhupada. Uh, and by the time I stopped, I was standing right next to him. So I saw all this thing uh, close up. So, so one of the guy, the television guy is combing his hair and, you know, and the, the other guy is straightening out the microphones. Uh, and then the, then the reporter takes the microphone and puts it in Prabhupada's face. And he's a little out of breath. He says, how does your group differ from other Buddhists? <laughs> And Prabhupada was so cool, he looked at him and he said, looked right in the face and said, we have nothing to do with this Hinduism or Buddhism. We are teaching the truth. And if you are truthful, you will accept it. (laughs) The guy had his mouth open for his next planned question, and he couldn't shut it. I mean, he he was paralyzed. And I thought about how Prabhupada, I mean, first of all, I thought, my God, if somebody says, I said, well, we're not really Buddhists, but we're Hindus, you know, something like that. He, he, what he did, his answer completely destroyed the platform on which the question was asked. <laughs> and talked to him as a spirit soul, not as a reporter interviewing, you know, just right away asked him the most important question of his life. <laughs> <laughs> made the most important statement and then you know the guy was like on the spot as a spirit soul <laughs> anyway that's just an example of how what platform of upadis or transcendental 
that that uh, you could see the contrast in that little uh, incident. Yes, Prabhu. When I was a teenager, I recall reading in the Bible that servants of God were marks on their forehead. And then in another part, it said also that uh, and servants of God consistently take birth over and over again to serve God. So when I ran into the devotees, actually I saw the David Susskind show. And I had just gotten out of the military. And I immediately saw this tilak on the devotee's face. And I said, these are the guys. <laughs> I've been looking for them for all my life. Uh-huh. So therefore, I'm just saying that in that sense, tilak is not a upadi, but it identified uh-huh. as just the opposite. Yeah, this is I what I've been looking God. for. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Thank you. Next person, any other? Question over here. I'm Hindu, born Hindu, labeled Hindu, Upadi is Hindu. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with you. Uh, but in my observation, looking at all the religions, whether it's Hinduism, Islam, Christianity, uh, everything is based on rituals, which somebody defined centuries ago. As? And centuries ago, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and people blindly follow that. Mm-hmm. In some religions, something is the rules are made, and if you follow the rules, you are a good devotee. Mm-hmm. If you don't follow the rules, you are a you are having bad karmas. Mm-hmm. I come here because I enjoy uh, coming to the temple, and. I observe Hare Krishna also. It's a mixture of rituals and finding the true self. So what impresses me is finding the true self, but rituals somehow don't impress me that much. Hmm. Well, I can understand that point of view. Uh, and rituals can be done in, in different ways. Uh, the the rituals that we we follow uh, are not an engine themselves, and it's not just because I do them or go through the motions that uh, that uh, that that makes the difference. But they teach something. Uh, 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 we we have these temples where we we worship deity worship and, and there. And uh, I, I firmly believe there's an experience, some spiritual power uh, from this. Uh, but it's not that doing the rituals correctly means you have it or not doing them. Uh, and of course, some things are even more important. It's more important to sit and read this book. Is reading book a ritual? Well, you know, it's an act of worship, that's for sure. Or, or you can uh, be a, a, a perfectly good devotee and never go to a temple. Uh, uh, for me, you know, I really uh, a simple set of beads will will help me and just constantly chant the names of God. And you don't really even need beads; you can just do it all the time. So the point the point is, uh, uh, what we sh- we need to do is if something is favorable for our spiritual 
pr- uh, progress, we should use it. We should, we should accept it. And if it's unfavorable, we should reject it. Uh, and uh, uh, all, all, all the rituals, at least in my estimation, uh, if you do them the right way, are really quite wonderful. Uh, if, if you do it half asleep, it's like doing anything half asleep. You're not going to get much out of it, you know. So, so, uh, so I don't, I don't reject the rituals, but I can, I can also see how, if somebody doesn't follow, I mean, we have great saintly per- persons that never, hardly do anything. You know, they just sit in one place and just chant Hare Krishna, and they've got everything. So the interesting thing about bhakti is just one thing. If you do one little thing and you do it right, the whole thing is there. You know, there's there's nine processes of devotional service, hearing, chanting, remembering, and so on. Uh, one of them is archanam, which is, which is the deity worship, which is a ritual. Uh, but another one is vadanam, uh, offering prayers. And you can just do that all by yourself. And any one of those by itself will take you the whole way. But most of us have a mixture <laughs> of these different things. Thank you. Prabhu Hare Krishna, thank you very much for your kind talk. I'll apologize for my ill-formed question. It is a symptom of my confusion. Um, sometimes uh, our upadis can have advantages and disadvantages in our service. Uh, for example, my upadi as a middle-aged white American guy uh, Sometimes that has some privileges, but it also has some problems. For example, someone who has the upadi of identifying as a uh, born Hindu might think that my upadi disqualifies me from explaining Bhagavad Gita to them. Uh At least I've had that experience. Uh, Or if I were to uh, speak something about temporary material designations as being the root of all problems to uh, a, a problem based on material designations. For example, right now, all around the country, everyone is very uh, preoccupied uh, with uh, the events in uh, Ferguson in New York City having to do with white police officers shooting unarmed black people. And for me to try to say something spiritual about that, from my position, my particular upadi, uh, I feel kind of disqualified. Whereas, for example, if Bhakti Binod Prabhu said exactly the same thing, his particular upadi in this life gives him more qualification to speak on it. So I'm wondering if you would be kind enough to speak on how we can utilize uh, our material designations in Krishna's service and uh, conversely, uh, how to be aware of when our material designations uh, might not be so useful uh, in trying to speak transcendental knowledge. Uh, That's not a confusion, that's a good point. Uh, You should be able to look and see because our idea is to use everything that we have in Krishna's service. We aim at 100% engagement. So if we have for some particular uh, advantage, uh, uh, we shouldn't give it up. When, when I became a, a devotee, for example, uh, the, the original social location in America uh, of the Krishna consciousness movement was the counterculture of the 60s, the so-called hippies. That was a journalist word, by the way. The hippies called themselves freaks, but anyway. <laughs> there was, 
the hippies. Uh, and uh, um, my friends were hippies, but I was in graduate school, so they knew I wasn't a hippie, although some of the professors thought I was. Uh, but because I was just because I was in graduate school. But our movement was very much, in some ways, influenced by it. For example, uh, uh, the the hippie slogan was "Turn on, tune in, drop out." You know, I mean, turn on turn turn on means with LSD. And of course, one of the first flyers says, "Stay high forever, no more coming down." You know, so. Uh, so that was the slow. So, so I, I, when I started coming to the temple there, I was in a, you know my third year of graduate school in religious studies, and I wanted to become a devotee. In order to be a devotee, I needed to associate with other devotees, and many of them were saying, "You know, you should quit this stupid stuff." They showed me read from the Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada, the modern educational institutions are the slaughterhouses of the young. <laughs> And I could understand why he said that, you know. But still, I put three years in this, into this. So I asked the, the temple president, would you ask Prabhupada? You know, I had three years already. I just, next thing was writing a doctoral dissertation. Maybe I should just drop out. So why don't you ask? But I didn't quite trust these people that were telling me you should do it. So just ask Prabhupada what I should do. So the answer came back that Prabhupada said I should finish and get a Ph.D., and the devotees, most devotees were shocked. And one of them, so several of them said to me, no, you should drop out anyway. Prabhupada is telling you that because you're attached. <laughs> <laughs> they were never so sure, you know. But then I thought, well, if Prabhupada, uh, if Prabhupada, uh, yeah, anyway, he told me I, I trusted him more than I trusted them, so I decided to uh, to continue. And then later on, Prabhupada had this idea in mind, Bhaktivedanta Institute and so many things, and now we have a lot of devotees with uh, academic qualifications that are using it in Krishna service uh, quite, quite nicely. In Calcutta, we now have a big Bhaktivedanta Research Center where we're discovering old manuscripts. We've got the whole library of Bhaktisiddhanta to go through that's never seen things that have ever been published. So anyway, it's useful. Uh, so you may think, it's, you know, I should use it in Krishna's service. Whatever can be used in Krishna's service. If something is an advantage, some disadvantage in some condition, I don't do it. But, I mean, uh, Prabhupada uh, used his experience. Uh, uh, he knew how to operate as a businessman. He was very, very good at financial management. Certainly when ISKCON started, he, he knew how to set up corporations and, and, and how, how, how to make book distribution into uh, to a, a pretty uh, worldwide organization. He used those things that he knew how to do in Krishna's service. So, so uh, what, we can, what, what we have that's useful, don't reject it. Uh, if, if it's not useful somewhere else, uh, then, then don't, go, don't you know, stay away from that circumstance. But then you might find that Krishna can gradually make you more and more useful where it doesn't matter. I mean, the fact is that when Prabhupada came, he was a 70-year-old Indian monk, and the people that came to him were 
you know, these young kids who were, were, were hippies and, and dropouts and drug takers, and, and he didn't walk away from them. He didn't think, oh, these people are not worth much. You know, I'm looking for educated people. Thus he figured that's who Krishna sent. And somehow he started talking and they could understand him. He, by his own words, he wasn't sure it would work. But he thought, I'm here, let me try. And somehow or other, by Krishna's grace, he was able to connect. For, for people my age, the really good thing is he wasn't the age of my parents' generation, but my grandparents' generation, that would make things a whole lot, lot easier. <laughs> but anyway, it, it, somehow it worked. And Prabhupada came to see if it would work. I mean, he was really checking to see when he could get back to India, if, he, if, he, if his visa ran out and he couldn't stay. He didn't know. But he just did his best he could under the circumstances. So... And to see what would work and what was. So sometimes we have to do like that also. And we'll find out. Yeah. Hare Krishna, everyone. Um, I'm going back to the question that was asked before um, about the rituals and the mm-hmm. devotion. And um, while I was listening to the question and your answer, um, I came across something that I learned when I was going to school. I took a Buddhist class on Buddhism, and the similar question was asked, and the answer came as uh, they gave an analogy of a cup and a tea. A what? A tea and cup analogy. Uh-huh. That devotion and is like tea, and cup is like the, ritual? the rituals. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them can go without each other. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that there is no use of just the cup, which are the rituals without devotion, mm-hmm. and there is no you you know devotion. Later on, you can carry on with devotion, but in the beginning states, like we all are all are in. Good example. Are, See, even the Buddhists know something, <laughs> even though they're Gnostica. Thank, Thank you. you for that. Let me let me just mention something um, uh, that uh, where ritual is helpful. Uh, it's a pragmatic principle um, that that I may not feel humble, uh, but if I come to the temple and bow down, is that hypo- hypocritical? Well, no, because if you start bowing down, then you'll start feeling humble. It can work the other way. Uh, uh, it, it, William James, the American pragmatic philosopher, said, said it's not that that at first I feel afraid and start running, I, I start running and then I feel afraid, you know, so it works both ways, so those those rituals uh, are the, if you, what is a ritual? You take the habitual practice of an advanced devotee and you turn it into a series of rules, and this is what they do. And so that, now, if we do it in the right spirit, we'll also get some of those feelings in, for the development. If I, if, I, if I sleepwalk through them, then, of course, it's ineffective. And sometimes it can substitute for the real thing. That's the danger with rituals. They just simply become empty. But, but uh, the, the, the rituals of any religious tradition I mean, are sometimes very, very impressive because if you actually pay attention to what's going on, and what's being said and what you're doing, it, 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 it can help 
fix or instill certain very favorable states of mind in you. Uh, so that's uh, 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 and then when you're really advanced, you don't need them. But in, in the beginning, they they can be quite useful. Uh, and as as you pointed out, they have their danger. Yeah. Um, if you would, for me as a beginner, add a little color to this quote: "Making all living entities become calm by practicing mm-hmm. bhakti yoga, they will think of each other's welfare." Mm-hmm. I noticed in yoga retreats, churches, people who are up there speaking about bhakti yoga, that sometimes there's this sort of arrogance or or a disguise, and they they so at yoga retreats we're open the heart whatever, and then they walk out the door and they almost have amnesia, like they're in their head so much and then they. Maybe to a person that has a menial job, maybe they're rude, or mm-hmm. to each other. So if you could, I'm a little confused about that. If you could yeah, add any color was, to this about yeah, being this calm. This is actually part of a, of a text. Swastiastu vishvasya kala prasidatam dayant bhutani shivam uh, Asking for a benediction uh, that uh, that the the by practice of devotion, that your practice is effective, it should mean that you wish each other well. You have good feelings towards each other. But it begins with the mind. First, if you, the, the part of the material world that is the closest to us is our own mind. And by bhakti yoga, if we do it properly, the mind will become pure. It should be, if you're practicing bhakti yoga, you should see lust, greed, and anger should be decreasing. The, 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 the sattva gun, the mode of goodness, should increase and the modes of passion and ignorance should decrease. If they're not, you're doing something wrong. Go back and ask, what's going wrong? Why is this not working for me? Because it, this should be happening. And therefore, you, this is the first environment. You, we have an environmental movement. One reason it doesn't work very well is because this environment, the internal environment, the environment of the subtle matter, manas, buddhi, ahankara, is all garbage. And you can't clean up the rest without cleaning up here. And neither will you be able to treat other people as, as uh, just like you as also servants of God and therefore worthy of your respect and concern, they may not even know they're servants of God, but you, this is what you really are. It, it, because sometimes we, we just uh, don't go through the proper process. And uh, you can avoid it successfully, uh, being in the Hare Krishna movement or anywhere. I mean, uh, unfortunately, uh, it's like any, like, you know, you go down and look at the Washington Monument. It's a big uh, monument, but it casts a long shadow. So any great thing in this world, you know, it will have its shadow, <laughs> unfortunately. And so there's a kind of shadow of ISKCON and a shadow of, uh, you know, all the, 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 the Christian church, uh, is all, of, all these places that have, at their core, very, very wonderful spiritual principles, and yet... Uh, all kinds of things happen. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, I don't like it either. I have to deal with it sometimes. Uh, but but 
this is what happens. But so so one 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 should see in this particular verse. If you look at the whole verse, it, by practicing bhakti yoga, which is which is inside manastabhadra, may our minds become peaceful, so that we can bring peace to the entire world. But if our minds don't become peaceful, forget it. You may, does anybody want war? Everybody is for peace. Nobody wants war. They all want peace. President Franklin Roosevelt said, I hate war. Eleanor hates war. We all hate war. You know, but the war came, you know. So <laughs> why is pe- everyone, you talk universally, they want peace, and yet war keeps happening. Why? That's the reason. You have to start here. In the own heart, you know, the foul rag and bone shop of the heart, as the poet said, <laughs> clean it up. <laughs> I guess we've run out of time now, huh? Yeah, uh, that's okay. All right, thank you very much. Hare Krishna. <laughs>